This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. thinking about my experience with cell phones and what does that look like throughout time and I remember when I was a little kid my parents had one of those bag phones does anybody remember the bag phone uh, where you had like a bag that you actually carried around and when you wanted to call somebody you'd like unzip it and pull the phone out and you thought you were all cool it was corded to the bag and you would talk to somebody you had like a like a 30 minute talk time for the entire day because that's as long as that battery in the bag phone would last and so you you would have this thing and then and then pretty soon uh Motorola came out with the first flip phone you guys remember the first flip phones that came out it was like a brick that had like just the bottom where you would talk into would flip out and uh I remember I had one of those in high school and I thought I was like the coolest kid in the world I was like I felt like Zach Morris from uh back in the day on Saved by the Bell I mean come on y'all everybody wanted to be Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell and so if you had like a flip phone you were all that in a bag of chips and and I can remember then Nokia came out with a with a single phone that you could like change the color of it it was like cutting edge you could change the case of it and so it was like this big deal if you had the Nokia phone and it was how many of you guys had one of those Nokia phones that you could change like yeah see y'all know what I'm talking about because everybody had one or you wanted one you wanted to be seen and you wanted to customize yours because you wanted it to be unique and you wanted it to be awesome but pretty soon there came out with some new phones that were out there called smartphones And so what you wanted to do is if you had that Nokia phone, it wasn't cool anymore. So you wanted to go upgrade to a smartphone. And the smartphones were like a combination of like a PDA and a phone at the same time. And everybody thought that was just like so awesome. You could take out a little stylus and not have to do it on a separate device. So you combine two devices. And then before long, they came out with like the iPhone. And uh, the iPhone changed everything. And, And I remember when the iPhone came out, I had just gotten one of those PDA phones, so I thought I, was, I thought I was awesome, and then the iPhone came out, and I realized that I was a loser because I didn't have an iPhone, and so all I wanted to do was upgrade to an iPhone, and eventually I was able to, to upgrade to an iPhone, and I was thinking about that and the fact that, that people love to get the latest and greatest in the next thing, don't we? We all love having the newest phone. We're all looking to upgrade to the next best thing. The funny thing is, is the same thing that happens with our phones is a lot of times what happens in our relationships. A lot of us, we we get a relationship and some we see something else that somebody else has, and what we want to do is we want to upgrade our relationship. We say, man, I've I've signed this contract for two years, or I've signed this contract for life, but I see a better model that's out there, and therefore I want to get rid of this contract and go get another one. Yeah, nobody ever thought about the relationship like as it refers to a cell phone contract. And this is what I know. <laughs> this is what I know about those contracts. Anytime you want to upgrade, it always costs you something, doesn't it? It always costs you another contract. It always costs you more money. The same thing is true in our relationships. When we're always trying to upgrade to the next and latest and get rid of this one to get the next one, it always costs us something. It costs us something emotionally. It costs us something in our, in, our, uh, uh, in our minds and in our experiences. It costs us financially a lot of times. I mean, if, if you've ever gone through a, a pretty wicked relationship or gone through a divorce, it always costs you. And what happens for a lot of us is, is, is that we think a lot like this song. I belong to you. You belong to me. And because you belong to me, when I'm finished with you, I can just throw you away. 
because we have a jacked up and kind of a weird view about relationships. And, 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 and this is a popular song by the Lumineers. It's, uh, I want to make sure I say this right because I've been saying it wrong all week. It's ho, hey, not hey, ho. So, uh, <laughs> I've been saying to Jeremy all week, we're doing hey, ho, right? And he's like, no, we're not doing hey, ho. That's not the song. And I'm like, man, I cannot get this thing right. <laughs> But it's what we do, isn't it? I mean, we, not, not that part. We, we, we want to trade. We want to upgrade our relationships all the time. And we think that, man, I can just, somebody just belongs to me. And, and I think that one of the things about relationships that we have this false idea of is it's not about belonging. It's about becoming something. And, and, and relationships are one of the most difficult things out there in the world because you're taking two imperfect people and you're trying to put them together and make something perfect. And how many of you know that that doesn't really work too well? And we see more marriages that are failing today than we ever have before. We see more people going through relationship, through relationship, through relationship. And they're wondering why are we not being successful? Why can we not truly see and understand how God intended for our relationships to be? And so today, you know, this isn't like a new subject to God. I mean, Jesus was dealing with these same questions and these same things that were happening because people were dealing with relationship issues back in biblical times as well as they are today. And so, and so Jesus has something to say about that, and he was actually questioned about that in Matthew chapter 19. If you guys want to open up your Bibles there, in verse 3, it says, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason. They're saying, hey, listen, we know you can heal people. We know that you've been setting captives free. We know that you've been doing all these miraculous things, but, but we're seeing a lot of issues with relationships and, and, and we know that you can save things and you can do all this stuff, but what about this? What are you gonna do about this issue? What are you gonna say about this that's going on that a lot of us are facing in our own personal lives right now where we're having issues, where we're having communication issues, where we're having uh, financial issues together, where we've where we stopped being able to be uh, this one. We're, we're just, my spouse is my property and I just want them to do what I want them to do. What are we gonna do about that? And this is how Jesus responded and this is kind of the big idea for the day. In verse four, he says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. He said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And I was reading that and I was thinking about what is, what is Jesus trying to say to us there? What is he trying, what advice is he giving us for today? And, and the advice that he's trying to say is, is that, listen, it's not about belong, somebody belonging to you. It's about becoming one with somebody else. It's all about the success of a relationship. is isn't about two individuals. It's about two individuals becoming one individual, one heart, one mind, one soul, one direction in life. But for a lot of us, there are some major, major hindrances of us to us becoming one. And today I want to look at a couple of those things and I want to give us some practical wisdom of how do we overcome those things. And I think that there's three major areas or three myths that we deal with when, when relationships come into play, when we get into a relationship. And the first myth that causes relationships, I believe, to really, really grow apart in life is we think that denying the problems that we have will make them disappear. So many of us think that denying the problem that we have will make it disappear. Like, we just think that if we ignore reality, then reality isn't really happening. 
And we think, man, if I can just deny that, that I've got a flesh wound or that that really hurts or that there are some problems in our relationship, if I just ignore those things, then everything in my life is going to be perfect. And so what a lot of us do is, is instead of looking at the problems that we're facing and say, man, I'll, let's talk about these things, let's communicate about these things, let's see what's really going on here, we just act like nothing's happening. And let me just tell you something, when we ignore the problem, you know what happens? The problems just grow, don't they? They just escalate in life. And so many people in their marriages right now and so many people in their relationships are going through problems and they just think, oh, those problems are going to go away, especially single people. Single people, you guys love to ignore problems. You think, man, you know what? One day when we get married, all of these problems that we have right now, they'll just go away because we'll be married and, and, and they'll just be so much better. And every married couple in here is busting out laughing because they know that the marriage doesn't make the problems go away. It just enhances all the jacked upness that you have in your life right now. Like those problems right now that are kind of cute. <laughs> oh, that's just so cute. They ain't going to be cute after the wedding day, I promise you that. And some of us, we buy into the myth, man, that if we just ignore the problem, then that thing will go away. For some of us, we, we buy into the myth that, that our marriage will always be perfect. And yet we think, man, we can take this person that's got all this baggage in their life, and we can take this person over here that has all this baggage, and we'll put them together, and poof, there will never be any baggage in life. And we think that, man, it's just going to be bliss and we're never going to have any problems. And we just buy into this lie that, man, it's going to be perfect. And we think, you know what? You know how it can be perfect? As long as the other person just always does what I want them to do, that's how it's going to stay perfect. And that's how a lot of us approach relationships. Because in the beginning, when we're in the dating stage, what is everybody trying to do? They're trying to win your heart. And so they're trying to be perfect. But once they have your heart, they start farting, they start using the toilet, you know, all the things that they never did in front of you all start coming out and you start saying, like, I don't remember this part in the dating. That's because you're gotten now. And reality is set in and it's not going to be perfect. Another myth that, that we believe is we believe that the grass is always greener on the other side. We believe that the grass is always greener on the other side and and the reality is is it's always greener where they use fertilizer and the reason that that grass is greener is because they got a lot of crap going on in their life and uh they've been nurturing that for a long time and therefore it's making that life a lot better and our problem is in society today is that we've got so much of facebook and we've got so much of instagram and we're looking at other people's lives and we're comparing ourselves to their life and the problem is is comparison is a killer to intimacy all the time when we start comparing our life to somebody else's life, it always kills us because here's what we fail to realize is that, is that we're looking at our life through no filter whatsoever. We're seeing the deep reality of our life. When we're looking at their life, we're just seeing their highlight reel. We're just seeing the best parts of them on Instagram. Listen, I didn't Instagram this morning when I yelled at my wife. I didn't say like, hey, I just cussed Shayla out on Twitter. Like nobody's highlighting that part of their relationship. But we look at the other people's relationship, we see the date that they just had, or we see the vacation they just took, and we think, oh man, I wish my relationship was like that. Well, the reason their relationship is like that is because they're nurturing that relationship. 
And here's what I know is that if you would get your eyes off of everybody else's relationship and start looking at yours and investing your time in it, you know what would happen? Your grass would be pretty green too. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at some ideas and, and, and throughout the series and look at some things that God says about relationships and how we can have healthy relationships and what does God want from us because I truly believe that a lot of us, we're getting advice from Dr. Phil and we're getting advice from Oprah and we're getting advice from all these people but we're not looking to God to see what he says about relationships and how do we have healthy relationships. And I think it, it begins with this whole idea of it's not about belonging to somebody else but it's about becoming the person who God has called you to become. See, the problem with a lot of us is, is that we're looking at other people and wanting to be them rather than becoming the person that God's called us to be. And we're wanting to have what they have, but we're not becoming the person that God has called us to be so we can have what he wants us to have because what he wants us to have looks a whole lot different than the person next to us. And we're settling for second rate when we should have the very best that we could possibly have. But it starts with us recognizing that how we not just belong but become is we got to recognize that there's some things that we have to do i mean one we gotta we gotta get in tune with god we gotta become one plus one plus one equals one that's how our relationships work the best we gotta become one just like jesus said in the very beginning he said we gotta become one and that takes effort on our part it means that man we gotta make god the sole focus of our life and as we're running after god when we look around and see the person next to us, that's the person that we want to find because we're going to meet with God. And that person will be there with us. But if we're just trying to satisfy them, we're not going to become one. We're just trying to belong to them. And this is the other part about this is that nobody tells you this, but marriage is hard. It's not breezy. Every married person in here is like, yeah, son, let me just tell you something. It is hard. And so it's a continuous work that you and I have to do. That's why in Ephesians 4, 3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. It may, it's saying to us, man, we got to make a lot of effort to make relationships work because if we're going to try to be unified as a unit, we're not going to be two separate people belonging to one another, but we're going to be two separate people who become one, then we've got to keep unity, and that's going to take a lot of work. That's going to take a lot of effort. And so... How do we become one? I think that there's five things that we need to do if we're going to become one in our relationship with each other. And the first one is this, is we got to make communication a priority. we got to make communication a priority. Uh, I, I read this stat this week um, that just blew my mind. I, it, was a, it was a recent study that was done that said the average couple in America talks uninterrupted for how long do you think? A day. 20 minutes, 40 minutes, five minutes. It's actually four minutes. And it's amazing how much damage we can do in four minutes, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we can really hurt some feelings. We can really say some detrimental things in our relationship in that four minutes. And if I could wave a magic wand and just be like, man, I want to give you one tool for your relationship It'd be this, man, that we would increase our communication. That we would increase our communication. That we would make an effort to communicate more. To say, you know what, instead of meeting for four minutes a day uninterrupted, man, we're going to give 15 minutes to this relationship. And we're going we're gonna to start working on that. And we're going to watch God work in our lives. Because if you did nothing else but did that in your relationship, I guarantee you're going to see improvement in it. Proverbs 13, 17 says this, A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a trustworthy envoy 
brings healing. And I love how uh, the Living Bible puts it. It says it like this. Reliable communication permits progress. Reliable communication permits progress. Man, if you'll start communicating, you'll start seeing progress happen in your relationship. And for a lot of us, what that means is we got to stop wanting something and start working on something. Because a lot of us want to communicate with our spouse, but we're not willing to do the work to do it. We're not willing to set aside the time and say, you know what, I'm going to take off a little bit early from work today. Man, I'm not going to go to every single practice of my kids. Listen, they're going to survive one practice if you spend with your spouse. And if we'll start to do that, we'll see a major, major increase in the relational equity that we have with the person we're with. I know that when Shayla and I first got married, we were, our first year of marriage was, was pretty good. Our second year of marriage was completely hell on earth. And uh, it, it was probably like I, like, I lost all my hair in that year of marriage. And so, like, I completely blame it on that. I, I was pulling my hair out, man. I was so frustrated because it was like, we were married, but we were just roommates. Like, we were living together, but we were just passing by, living our own lives. And, and I remember we got to this point where we we're like, man, something has got to change. And, and around that time, Shayla said, you know what? I, I'm not great at sitting down and making small talk. It's not really my deal. I, I'm a pretty introverted person. And she said, listen, every night, this is what I need from you. If we're going to have, if we're going to make this work, she said, I need you to come and lay down next to me for 15 to 20 minutes and just talk. And I was like, is there anything else that we can do? <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I, it, was, it was excruciating at first. Like I, like, I didn't, like, how was your day? Like, I didn't care how her day went. I was just hoping that she was going to feel like she wanted to be sexy that night, you know. And, and <laughs> but the reality is, is as we started doing, we, we called it pillow talk. As we sat down and we laid down and we... We talked to each other. That, that time just created intimacy between us because we are really communicating. And I'm telling you what, man, if you'll make communication a priority in your life, you will see God move in your relationship. The second thing that I believe we have to do is we have to live for the good of others. We gotta live for the good of the other. The real definition of, of love, I, I truly believe, is living for the good of others. It's realizing that, man, you, the reason you exist, the only reason you exist is living for the good of other people. It's not to live for yourself, it's not to live and try to make everything you can, but it's living for the good of others. That's why in Ephesians 4, 2, it says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another, in love. He's, the Bible right there, Paul is saying, man, we got to be patient. We got to be humble. We got to be gentle. And we got to do all those things in love. Because what a lot of us think is we think that love will bring us to this feeling of happiness. We think that if we just, if we love people, then it will bring it to this people of happiness. But love is really a willingness for us to sacrifice for the other person. And as we sacrifice for the other person, the love for them goes out because we're being patient, we're being kind, we're being humble. And that's exactly how Jesus was. He was patient, he was kind, he was humble. And for us, that's not natural to be, is it? No, our natural tendency is to be selfish. Our natural tendency is to get what we want, when we want, and how we want it. And it's all about living for our good, not for the good of others. And, and that's exactly why we got to continually be going to God and remembering what God did for us. 
Remembering how he forgave us, how he set us free, how he brought us out of the pit of where we were to where we are today. And we got to remember that so that when we go and we face obstacles with other people, we say, you know what, my whole life here is to help live for their good. And so how can I be humble? How can I be gentle? How can I lift them up? Because when we start doing that, our entire temperament will change. And instead of looking at life through our eyes, we'll start looking at life through God's eyes and we'll start saying, how can I serve my spouse? How can I make life better for them? That's why in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect. You know, consideration, that's a, that's a word that's not necessarily something we embrace all the time. We consider ourselves. Hello. Well, how often are we paying attention to the people around us? How often are we paying attention to what our spouse feels? How often are we showing courtesy to them based on where they're at in their situation? How often are we treating them with the respect that we would like to be treated back with? See, living for the good of others means dying to yourself, and that's such a hard thing. It's hard giving up some of the things that you want in order to make their dreams come true. And that's what a relationship with all, is all about. Because this is what I found. As I make other people's dreams come true, you want to know what happens to mine? They usually come true. And some of you guys have a dream of a relationship that is unbelievable. But until you stop living for yourself and start living for the good of others, it's never going to be what it could be. And so we got to learn to communicate, and we got to learn to live for the good of others, and then we got to lay down our rights. We've got to lay down our rights. Because as individuals, what do we do? We protect our rights, don't we? It's all about my privacy. It's all about ownership. This is mine. That's yours. It's all about what's a priority in my life. Man, these are the things that are important to me. These are the things that aren't as much, and I don't care if that's a priority to you. And, and in a relationship, we don't have we don't have rights. We have responsibilities. See, we go into relationships thinking, man, I'm getting married, so you know what? My right is, is I get to have sex every night. That's every guy's thought right there. You think I'm joking. I'm a guy I know. You think, man, I have the right to do whatever I want whenever I want. We all have these things. The reality is, is when we embrace the fact that we have responsibilities, then the priority in life becomes your priorities. The things that are mine become ours. The things that, that used to be the most important are no longer at the forefront of my life because the things that are important to you all of a sudden are starting to replace those things. And, and my right to privacy is no longer there because now we have an open and honest communication in life. That's why 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 is all about love. And one of the things that it says is love does not demand its own way. But yet a lot of us, we go into relationships and we're demanding certain things. See, true love, the genuine mark of love is an unselfish heart. See, the thing about marriage that, that, that I've, I don't tell people because I want them to discover it. Uh, before marriage will ever make you happy, it will make you grow up. 
You know what growing up is? Is it saying, you know what, I'm going to die to myself. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. What did he do? He came to this earth to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to give up everything, die to himself, so that you and I could have life. And when we realize that it's all about giving, all of a sudden we'll discover what loving is all about. And God wants us to recognize that, man, we've got to lay down our rights and make the other person's rights a priority. And as we do that, what will happen is we'll start to keep the romance alive. This is what I know about romance is that, uh, you know, it, it's a fire, but you got to stoke that fire. Like a lot of us, we just think that romance is just always going to be there. But if you're never throwing some logs on the fire, it's never, it's, it's not going to stay lit. Because romance isn't a mood or a feeling. Romance is an action that you have to take, that you have to be intentional about. And a lot of us, we just think that, man, we're just going to, it's always going to be great. It's always going to be perfect. And that's not necessarily the case. I, I learned this really simply. My wife, it doesn't, like, I don't have to go plan the most elaborate date. All I got to do is plan something. Every wife is shaking her head right now because all she wants is, she just wants to know, guys specifically, because we, we're horrible at this. She just wants to know that we're thinking about them. And the way that we show that is by doing something. You know, actions speak a whole lot louder than words because if we say I love you all day and we don't do anything to show it, do we really love them? And so how do we keep the romance alive, man? How do we make that happen? I, I think every day you wake up and, and you give them a kiss and you tell them how much you love them. You don't ever leave without giving a hug. You, you're forgiving every single day. You're always leaving little notes and different things around just saying, man, thinking about you. You're sending a text message, not a racy text message, just a text message saying I'm thinking about you. You know, you're kissing unexpectedly. You're holding hands with the intention of nothing more than just be close to one another. Guys, you let her give you directions when you're lost. Keep the romance alive. <laughs> Girls, you laugh at our jokes when they're horrible, which is most of the time. Guys, you ask them to, to marry you over and over again. Gals, you keep saying yes. One of the greatest ones is you never go to bed mad because makeup sex is some of the best sex there is right there. <laughs> Listen, I know it always gets weird whenever you talk about sex in church, but let me just tell you something, man. That's why, that's why Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite verses. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. You know what? I want to enjoy my wife. I want to have fun with her. I want to have sex with her. I want to do those things. Because that's what the Bible says that we're to do as husbands and wives. Now, if you're single, don't be doing that. Because if you're not experiencing those things, then what you have is you just have a business partnership. And then it's really easy to want to go and upgrade to the next model. Because you've stopped charging the batteries in your relationship. But really, that'll never come to that if you, if you do the last one, which is you make an unconditional commitment. If you make an unconditional commitment, because uh, the definition of marriage is unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Because 
love and marriage doesn't lead you to commitment. Commitment and marriage leads you to love. Because this is what I know, is that if we're only keeping to a feeling the reason why we're doing life with this other person, those feelings come and go. They can change in a moment. They can change in an instant. But if you're committed, it doesn't matter what the how high the peaks are and how low the valleys are because commitment always wins out. And God's really big about this thing about keeping your commitments. God is really big about covenants, about saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that word unconditional is a big deal. Because when Jesus gave it all on the cross, you know what he did? He did it unconditionally. He said, whether you accept it or not, man, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to lay it all out. Because I'm committed to you, whether you're committed to me or not. And at any time we start to put conditions on our love, we negate the cross. And today Jesus is trying to get some of us back to the cross to remember the sacrifice that he gave because he said that same sacrifice that I gave in my life, that's what you do for other people. And if you want to have a healthy relationship, if you want to have a whole relationship, if you want to have a loving relationship, it's going to take you dying to yourself and living for them. It's not an easy thing for us to do because we're told to live for ourselves all the time. But the best way we can do that is we can make a commitment to Jesus, first and foremost. Because without that, we'll never truly learn, we'll never truly understand what complete and total commitment will look like until we give ourselves completely to something. Actually, until we give ourselves completely to someone who is willing to do it first for us. And I believe that today, man, Jesus is here. And some of you guys, you've been believing that your relationships are, are, are going to change, but yet you're ignoring the problem. Some of you guys, you're, you're looking around thinking, man, that grass looks greener over there. Some of you guys are, are just thinking that, you know, how it started is should, how it should be forever. And you've not faced reality. And the reality is, is that, man, God wants to do something great in your relationship. He wants to do some restoration in your relationship. But the restoration, first and foremost, starts with you. It starts with your heart. And let me tell you something. Jesus came and died on this earth so that you could have a relationship with him. So he could show you what true love truly is. And today, he's here, man, and, and he wants to meet you. And his, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about a relationship with the creator of the universe. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.